St. John says at the end of the Gospel, he wrote, quote, There are also many other things which Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. End of quote. The event of the risen Lord joining the two disciples on the road to Emmaus is only mentioned by St. Luke, although St. Mark does briefly allude to it. St. John seems not to have thought it necessary to repeat this post-resurrection appearance of Christ. This indicates that we do not have written down the details of all the times and places that the risen Jesus appeared to the apostles and the other disciples. Neither do we know all those to whom he did appear. This does not make what we do have recorded in the Gospels, the Acts of the Apostles, or the New Testament epistles, false or misleading. Rather, it simply means that not everything could be recorded. Isn't that, though, just the same as we do ourselves, when we commit to paper the main or the important things, not every detail? What is recorded bears witness to the historical fact of the resurrection. St. Peter and the other apostles, with the exception of St. John, and thousands of others, would not have willingly suffered martyrdom for a notion, an idea, or a carefully constructed ruse, or an idle tale. In fact, in selecting St. Matthias to take the place of Judas, St. Peter says that to be counted among the apostles meant that he had to have eaten and drunk with Jesus after he rose from the dead. So as the walk to Emmaus is presented to us in the sacred liturgy this Sunday, we can, and maybe we should, for the sake of our prayer, wonder to whom did the Lord appear, and of those appearances we have no record in the Bible. In my imaginative prayer, it seems befitting that he appeared to his mother and to her when she was alone, a proper echo of that other significant event, the Annunciation. Maybe it was to her that he first appeared, even sometime before daybreak on the first day of the week, before Mary of Magdala and the other women arrived at the tomb. From the Gospel evidence, he appeared to the Apostles as a group, so as to reinforce their status as the men to whom he entrusts his ongoing mission in the world, the first college of bishops. We are also told that he appeared to Simon, even before the two disciples had returned from the road to Emmaus. This highlights Peter's place as the head of the Apostles, the first Pope. But what about to Martha and to Lazarus, his dear friends, and to Joseph of Arimathea, who kindly gave him a resting place for his brief experience of death? We cannot know, but it is somewhat an exhilarating experiment because it amplifies for us the wonder and the glory of the resurrection. And let's not forget that St. Paul mentions that the Lord appeared to 500 of the disciples at the same time. 
One of the lovely traditions handed down orally about the walk to Emmaus is the identity of the one disciple who is named Cleopas or Clopas. He was the uncle of Jesus because he was brother to Saint Joseph. His son Simeon succeeded Saint James the Apostle as the second bishop of Jerusalem. His wife Mary was one of the two women who comforted Our Lady at the cross. This historical fact can pull us up short. Why did he not recognise Jesus? He had known his nephew all his life. This strikingly demonstrates the entirely new creation that is the resurrected body. It is not defined or confined by space, time or any dimension of this world and is sufficiently different from the body that belongs to this world so as to appear to be entirely different. This in itself can lead us, with some excitement, to contemplate the resurrection of our own body on the last day. But let us return to the bewildered and downcast Cleopas and his travelling companion. Their meeting with the risen Christ rekindled in them a strong and transforming hope. Jesus went to seek them out as they walked away from Jerusalem, walked away from the others, filled with consternation and the emptiness of growing despondency and even acute desperation. What is also enlightening and encouraging for us is how Jesus reignited their hope. He did not overwhelm them with showy and miraculous acts of power. He did not beg and plead with them to come back. He did not even try to convince them that they were making a terrible mistake. He did challenge them and call them foolish and slow to believe. But straight away he reminded them about God's plan of salvation and showed them that his death was not just an accident. It was God's wise and surprising plan. And it was not a plan that went wrong. Everything happened in perfect order. God had not abandoned him and God would not abandon them. And then came the miracle. As he broke the bread, they recognised him as the risen Lord. With their hearts on fire and their hope alive and strong, they ran the 11 kilometres back to Jerusalem. They probably covered the distance in half the time, so rejoicing were they. And don't we need hope? at this time. We are desperate for it. I would say even more so since the last time we heard this gospel passage. The pandemic, the lockdowns and the shut-in are taking their toll on all of us, some of us more than others. We are without our churches, which is our common home. We are without the sacraments, but Christ has not abandoned us. 
Rather, he seeks us out to rekindle our hope. He also has all authority on earth and in heaven, and he has everything in hand. The natural evil of the Wuhan virus and the supernatural evil that is using it to work against God will not prevail, and God will bring this to an end and to the conclusion that he knows is needed. So, without certainty, but with real hope, we can echo the words of the eleven who said to Cleopas and his companion, Yes, it is true, the Lord has risen. He has not left us alone. In our sadness and suffering, he will find us and give us the consolation of his grace. We are constantly in his gaze. Let us not walk away from him, immersed in our emptiness, our despondency and even our desperation. Let us not allow ourselves to be at the mercy of any sort of hopelessness. Thank you.